KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. We have heard a lot about COVID long haulers. We wanted to learn more about what doctors are seeing in long COVID patients here as we are nearly two years into the pandemic. Is Omicron complicating things at all? Our guest is Dr. Andrew Martin, Chair of Pulmonary Medicine at Deborah Heart and Lung Center. Give a listen. So I think we hear the term long COVID, COVID long haulers. Just to kind of start the conversation to to kind of set a a baseline for everybody that's listening, can you define long COVID and who falls under the umbrella? At least initially, long COVID was defined as patients who had been infected with COVID-19 and who had recovered from the infection, the acute infection, but still had symptoms between three and six months later. Some definitions I read said six months, some said three. So that's really, you know, people who have persistent symptoms several months after having had the infection that apparently resolved. How often are you seeing this? How often are colleagues of yours seeing this? Is this very prevalent? Is it relatively rare? Is it alarmingly more than you thought? Could you categorize it? Well, I I started a post-COVID recovery clinic early in 2021, you know, basically on the idea that uh, patients were having trouble seeing primary doctors and other doctors in person after, at that time. Uh, And we had kind of stayed open for business. So I just wanted to make sure people knew we were available to see them. Um, I'd have to say that I'm not seeing what I would say is a surprising amount of people with persistent symptoms. Uh, And also, non-COVID being defined broadly, I'm a lung doctor, so most of the patients I'm evaluating are coming in for concerns about their breathing and their lungs. So I would say it's pretty much as expected, especially I'm not inundated, and given the number of people who have been infected, it's about what I expected to see. What do people that are dealing with long-term COVID, are there kind of universal problems? Does it vary depending upon the person or depending upon the age group or race, ethnicity, anything? Or or, or are there kind of a a standard circle of things that most people that have long-term problems are dealing with? No, it's very, it's very, very variable. Um, there, there are going to be the things that you would expect to see uh, based on the patient's baseline age, underlying health, and the severity of the acute infection they had. Uh, Obviously, someone who got severely ill and was in the ICU and on a ventilator for several weeks is much more likely to have some symptoms two, three, four months later than somebody who had a mild infection that was treated as an outpatient. Uh, There is the sort of the mysterious syndrome that, that people are describing. And one of the most common complaints you hear about is this idea of brain fog, that people find that two or three months later, four months later, they're still feeling like they're not working mentally as they should. And that's a very kind of vague symptom to get a hold of. Uh, So it does vary. But I think, again, most of the things that I see as a lung doctor are what I might expect based on the severity of the acute illness in the first place. How unusual is it for a virus to have a situation like this? It, I mean, as a layman, seems to me you, you get a virus, you get over it in however long it takes, and then 
it's in the rearview mirror. Is this like incredibly unusual to have some of these cases that that do more than linger that, you know, cause these problems even months down the road? Well, I mean, if you look at the broad range of viral illnesses, I mean, certainly the, the, the sort of viral illnesses that we've been used to or that most people are used to thinking about, common cold, even the flu, those are illnesses that tend to come and go. And, and again, if you don't get severely ill, you tend to recover completely. Then there have always been viruses that we know of that are prone to cause longstanding uh, uh, symptoms, mononucleosis. Right. We all know that from from college, that that that's an illness that actually fairly commonly causes symptoms for many months after the acute infection. Uh, There are ah, zoster, you know, that's a post viral long symptom comes up delayed. So, no, I don't think prolonged symptoms after viral infections, especially for certain viruses or anything new. And in a lot of ways these syndromes are fairly similar to what you might think of if you went back to uh, uh, when you thought of mono. Some of these things are very similar that people complain about. Do you feel we have, and when I say we, I guess kind of society paid enough attention to these long haulers, or do you think we should be looking more at the problems they're having and, and paying more attention to it? That's a really good question. And it's a complicated one because we're not living in normal times. And we have so many other things that are having an impact on the way people feel about their lives and going about their lives. So it's it's hard to say. I I think that we are we're evaluating people based on their symptoms, but again, the overall epidemiology of it still has to be defined. And again, you throw in the context of we've got so many other things to worry about as well, that it's I I really can't make a judgment. It's as a value judgment. Are we paying enough attention? Certainly when somebody's in front of me, I'm paying attention. Uh, And then there's the fact that many of the symptoms are sort of nonspecific and you're you're dealing with an idea of uh, perhaps if you think of it as rehab, learning how to deal with the things you're experiencing. We don't have an overarching biological mechanism for this that we can say, well, okay, let's develop a medicine that's going to fix everybody's, you know, brain fog and body aches and and trouble breathing and heart arrhythmias. So we have to deal. And this is the way most of us have been dealing with this. And when I started this, I had some conversations with some of the people in the big academic centers about their COVID clinics. And everybody pretty much had the same story. We're all dealing with the symptoms and investigating them and treating them as we normally would. Because that's pretty much all we can do. Has the Omicron variant that uh, has been the overwhelm has just taken off on fire across the country? Has it led to more people having lengthy, or has it not been around long enough that we're still we have to wait a long time to see if uh, this results in a lot more people? Uh, have you noticed anything since this Omicron came on the stage that has moved the needle at all? I think it's a little too soon. I think that some of the information about Omicron is sort of encouraging. So if you take the sort of the information that we're hearing that it is in general, less likely to cause severe disease, makes you hopeful that it's also less likely to cause lingering symptoms. 
Uh, and that's not necessarily the case, but it does point it in the right direction. On the other hand, and this is the real question with Omicron right now, is, okay, so it is less dangerous. Maybe it's a milder disease, but it's also amazingly more transmissible. So just I'm making these numbers up, but if you have a disease that's half as dangerous, but it, it infects three times as many people, you know, you still have a net loss. And uh, I think overall, we're seeing a lot of that right now. What you're hearing about now is overall hospitalizations are reaching where we used to be near a peak last year, but they don't seem to be as severe. So more people are getting in and getting out. Less people are going to the ICU. But, but I think overall, your idea is that if you do get infected with it, if it's a milder disease, hopefully overall, you'll see fewer people with lingering symptoms. Talked earlier about uh, if we're paying enough attention to the, the long haulers. I'm curious, people that need treatment that need medical attention for this for three, four, five, six months down the road, and I don't even mean in the hospital, but if it means constant appointments and stuff like that, is there a concern it could put a strain past and this would be a separate situation past like the emergency room strain we're seeing with Omicron with so many people, but just a, a strain on the system, just because these are people that have to be helped and dealt with that maybe wasn't in the, the calculation before all this. There's going to be some, most of the treatment again is going to be supportive. Uh, so it's not something that you're going to say, well, OK, you're going to come in for an infusion every two weeks of this medicine. Uh, it's supportive. It's, it's and it, a part of these 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 things are telling people uh, whether these symptoms should concern them in terms of are they dangerous for me? Uh, so long COVID itself uh, in people who have otherwise recovered, I don't know that it's going to it's going to tax the system in a great, huge way. But there's enough people out there. Again, this I find the most problematic symptom this brain fog because it's so hard to measure and define. Uh, to do full mental status tests on people to detect perhaps a subtle cognitive abnormality, they're actually fairly involved. But because we don't really have a specific therapy for it, I don't think a lot, again, I'm not a neurologist or a psychiatrist, but I don't think a lot of people are getting that battery of tests uh, in a clinical sense. Uh, so you do the same thing you do with anybody else that has some mild cognitive abnormalities. You give them tools, how to handle memory, write notes, things like that, and uh, try to encourage them at least in the first year or so that there is still a good chance things will get better. Is it possible when this is, when it's all said and done, there could be a, a little bit of a societal effect. And what I mean by that is a, a certain amount of the population that maybe because of long COVID can't go back to work or, or needs constant assistance, government assistance. Is that something that is a, a possibility or am I making too much of it on a macro level? Well, again, um, you know, we got so many people leaving work for, for that have don't have long COVID right now. That's, you know, you almost start to think of long COVID sort of a drop in the bucket of that pool. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, the answer is, I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a question for sociologists and epidemiologists, I think, 
what the actual numbers are. And again, because the whole situation is so complicated by, uh, by the overall overarching situation. Again, as a pulmonologist, it's very easy for me to measure function. I could do lung function tests. I can do x-rays. I can do comprehensive metabolic exercise tests. And at the end of all that, again, absent any severe abnormality that's obvious, I can tell somebody this, this thing that you're experiencing breathing-wise is not necessarily dangerous. But I have to do the same thing to people who come in to me because they're short of breath because they haven't exercised in two years. So in essence, a lot of that's the same. Now, again, when it comes to cognitive abilities and brain fog, that particularly, in my opinion, and again, I'm going back to when I was in my early days as a doctor during the time when chronic fatigue syndrome was being described, and it was also thought to be possibly a post-viral syndrome. My impression about some of that is that in different people, these sort of nonspecific symptoms, we call it nonspecific, and that's our arm-waving way of saying we don't know what's causing them, but uh, brain fog, subtle cognitive abnormalities, uh, things that might be a general body discomfort, uh, which starts to make you think of things like fibromyalgia and things like that. Um, I think in different people and in different proportions, they're, they're probably a combination of some kind of organic abnormality that may be left over from the virus, in addition, possibly to elements of depression and possibly to elements of post-traumatic stress if they've had a severe illness or just in general. And, and that's where the supportive uh, stuff comes in because that's about all you can do for something. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 